And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Uh, you are now tuned into anything's potable, the most honorable, the most audible. Hold the applause like Paul Pierce when he was fresh out the hospital. Welcome to Anything is Potable, the Boston Celtics podcast here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I'm your host, Sam Jam Packard professional sports fan, and I'm joined, as always, by the kid, the god, the legend, the fiancé himself, Jay King, Celtics beat reporter for The Athletic, and we are joining you live in an athletic live room after the Celtics lose an ugly, ugly game to the Washington Wizards. It was so ugly, Jay, that you had 15 reactions after the game that you all can read about on theathletic.com. But sheesh, what was happening uh, against the Wizards on Wednesday night? Yeah, that was just not great. (laughs) And then to top everything off, Ime Odoka just came out and blasted the Celtics again. Ime is not going to be bashful. I, I get the idea. And uh, so he was not happy. He was not pleased. He said that he's going to. He said that he told the Celtics they're going to get their asses kicked at shoot around. He then watched them get their asses kicked, and he was not happy about it. He thinks their focus needs to improve. He thinks their weak side help defense needs to improve. He said that the difference between Jalen Brown and games against Charlotte and New York and. The start of last night was mind-boggling. So it was an interesting email presser, um, to say the very least. Here's my question. Is is email a hardo? Is email kind of a, a hard-ass? Like, it's very shocking to hear him criticize his players, but that's just coming off years of Brad Stevens. Is he, is he kind of a hardo? Uh... I don't think so. I just think he's honest. Right? Like, he's just being honest. And I, I I don't get the sense that he's out there, like, trying to bash the Celtics, but I think he's being honest about their shortcomings. And, and like, they weren't good. They weren't. The <laughs> that, first, is a, that is a fair point. The first quarter, they they scored 19 points. They gave up a 21 to 3 run in the first half. They down the stretch like just gave up way too much easy to the Washington Wizards. Um Kyle Kuzma, they couldn't box him out on one of the most important plays of the game. They had four assists in the second half. Like everything that he's preaching, they didn't do. And uh so he wasn't happy. <laughs> and and he's He's not going to be like Brad, where sometimes he holds his tongue, I think. I think he's going to pretty much tell us how he feels, and he felt that the Celtics weren't good enough, and they weren't. 
they, they, they clearly were. were. But how much of this is was just like this is a bad effort uh, issue, or I mean, like it feels like Ime is somewhat to blame with he cons- like consistently uh, running out there this all switch everything lineup. How many points does Montrez Harrell have to score in the second quarter for uh, Ime to realize maybe it's not worth switching smaller guys onto him? Yeah, and I re- I rewatched all his buckets because I thought the same thing, especially live. I was like, why are they switching everything? Why do they have Robert Williams on the perimeter while Jason Tatum's guarding Montrez Harrell down low? And when I rewatched, I felt a little differently. Um, there were a couple times when he scored on Tatum for sure. There was one time when Jabari Parker switched onto him and he, he got a, a rebound and a putback. But it wasn't always the switching that got them. And even when the switching was there, part of it was like they just let Montrez Harrell go to the hoop with with no help. And if you're going to be switching and if you're going to have tough matchups, you've got to you've got to give help. You've got to send you know doubles, or you've got to go over and force a ball out of Montrez Harrell's hands, or at least make him uncomfortable. And the Celtics never did that. And and so he may thought that was their seemed to think that was their biggest sin even when they were switching was that they didn't give enough help they they didn't play team defense and they left guys on an island and and so i i, I after rewatching um i i wasn't as against the switching defense as i probably was while watching it the first time but but you're right like if 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 a team has Montrez Harrell, who's obviously an energy guy, obviously a, an offensive rebound guy, like, do you limit your switching? And and I think they did sometimes. They didn't always switch, and especially in the second half, they they stopped that a little bit. But but then you have like the last play of the first half was despicable <laughs> on on all parts. It, on all parts, it was despicable. It, on all parts. But but you watch that as Ime Odoka, who has stressed. All season long, we have to be the harder working team. We have to clean up bad habits. We have to yada, yada, yada. And then Jason Tatum throws a turnover with like six seconds left in the first half. And Jalen Brown is the only one who hustles back on defense. Bradley Beal missed two sh- two wide open layups. He, he got the rebounds both times and nobody from the Celtics was even there because nobody even tried to hustle back. That's the stuff that's unforgivable. And that's the stuff that probably pisses Ime off so much. Um, and that's the stuff the Celtics have to change. This is, that's the stuff that haunted them last year. Sometimes it's the stuff that haunted them against Toronto when they got smoked earlier this season. And it's the effort stuff like that, that, that you just wonder like, what's going on here? Why, why, why is everyone just watching? Why is Marcus Smart standing in the corner? Why is Dennis Schroeder standing in the corner? Why did Robert Williams take like three or four seconds to start to run back on defense? Like, why is nobody giving any effort whatsoever? Well, it's because they had a, a they had a piss poor shoot around. Uh, clearly, they didn't bring the effort. Yeah. So, what what, what were your reactions to Ime Odoka's comments and? kind of the way he's been now he's lit up the Celtics two times in his first five games as head coach I I laughed at them at first because like it does seem like he's kind of like having his chest puffed out like 
I thought he was like, this guy's being a hardo. And it's just, it's very interesting because so much of the criticism of Brad Stevens coaching styles was like, he never holds these guys accountable. And this is like the perfect case study in, well, eBay's going to do the, uh, hold the guy accountable. It's like, is that enough to really motivate a player to, to like kind of give that extra effort? I guess we'll see in, uh, Saturday night when they get to play the Wizards again, but it's not like I like I don't to me when I watched that game like there were those definite lapses like you mentioned at the end of the second quarter, but the Celtics had a, a pretty good for, um, third quarter. I mean they came out and outscored the Wizards thirty four to twenty five. It's the fourth quarter that was really the problem, but the fourth quarter was confusing to me because. Like, while it seems like a lot of the issues you have out there, defensively at least, came from lack of communication. But then why are you only playing Al Horford, uh, I guess, for four minutes in that fourth quarter? Josh Richardson got a lot of time there. He didn't really seem to be doing much. Horford only played less than 10 minutes in the second half. I'm just still kind of confused about what the rotation uh is and, and like what Ime is trying to do uh, with regards to that because I don't know what Richardson has done to really earn his playing time so far. I don't really know why uh, Aaron Neesmith and Peyton Pritchard are picking up DNPs. And so, I don't know. It's it clearly like the fourth quarter was not great. Clearly, Jalen Brown did not have a, a very good game um, just from his standards. And it's mind-boggling apparently. But uh, I don't know. I Like I was – I was initially amused by it, but I still think like eBay is not without fault here because there's definitely things you can second guess. And I just, before you respond to that, I just want to remind to all the people who are in the athletic live room now, you can raise your hand if you got uh, anything to say or any questions for us. Um, we'll get you here live on the broadcast. But um, I don't know, like what do you think of his rotation and just like the fact that Horford, who's pr- probably their best defensive communicator, just only played four minutes basically in that fourth quarter? Yeah, I, I want to back it up first and go back to Ime's reactions because I, I think there's a lot to unpack there. I will get to that question, though. Um, and I'm just not sure how the players will react to it, right? Like, if I'm a player, you have a, a pretty close loss to Washington and your coach comes out and is like, yeah, we had a shitty shoot around today. I told them they were going to get their asses kicked. It's like, who cares, man? <laughs> it's shoot around, you know? And and I, I think there could be some of that in the Celtics locker room. Like, Al Horford's up there. Like, how'd you know that at shoot around that, that it was going to translate? Your poor focus is going to translate. He's probably like, man, I've had a million bad shoot rounds. <laughs> and gone out and had life. like triple doubles in my best game of my career. Yeah. And, and so. I do think, like, if he is going to not overreact, but if, if he is going to kind of spill the beans on stuff like that regularly, it runs the risk of pissing off players. And maybe that's what he wants to do, right? Like, maybe that's why he's doing this. Like, piss off players, get them uncomfortable, hopefully force them to improve. Uh, and then the, the, the other one was a Jalen Brown comment. I think it came off like harsher than maybe he meant it. On Twitter, it came off as like, this guy's being a real dick. But like, I didn't think, I think he was just genuinely mind boggled. Like, I don't think he was like trying to throw Jalen under the bus. 
Yeah, but like that that is a word. When you say it's mind-boggling that Jalen played as poorly as he did last night after the way he played against Charlotte in New York. Like that that that's harsh, man. <laughs> well, this is this that is really is. And, and it's just like the way he delivered it. He 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 after that he said, you know, that there are reasons it could happen. He missed 10 days. But like I feel like Brad always went out of his way to to deliver comments like that in as soft a way as possible so that the player would know that he had their back and whatever. And Eme didn't do that at all. He kind of delivered it in a way that amplified the message that Jalen Brown just wasn't wasn't as good. And then he went on to say, like, what did he say? Like, you just you just want to grab him and tell him, like, you're really important to us. You have to carry <laughs> us when, when Jason's not on the court. And I think maybe the Celtics need that. Like, maybe Jalen Brown needs to, to hear that and needs to be held accountable and needs to be held to that standard where the Celtics can't afford to, to for him to have a night off. They can't. And and that's the way the roster is built. That's that's how much he, he and Jason Tatum are have, have on their shoulders. But I also think like you use the term mind-boggling if if you're that abrasive, you run the risk of pissing off a guy that you really don't know that well at this point. I know they work together on Team USA, but eBay was with Team USA this summer, so he didn't have much time with Jalen Brown. Eme then had COVID, so he didn't. There was more time away from Jalen Brown. Then Jalen Brown had COVID. Like, how much time have those guys even spent together? And so they don't have a great relationship where they can look at each other and say, "Okay, there's there's this these years of of knowing each other, all this built up equity." There isn't that right now, and and so I I do wonder if it's the right approach. I'm not sure it is the right approach. I'm not sure it's the wrong approach either, though. I guess time will tell. And, <laughs> I don't know what's Jaylen, going on. <laughs> the other part of it, like Jalen, at least in the past, hasn't always handled criticism well. And some of the other criticism was Kyrie like coming out and kind of taking vague shots at the young guys. Um, and obviously Jalen Brown at the time was one of those young guys. But he didn't take that well. He didn't like that. And... And so I do wonder how he'll take to this, and maybe it's more direct, maybe it's more to, to the point, and maybe he'll he'll say, you know what, he's right. I was one for eleven against Washington. I can't be like that. This this team can't afford to have me be that empty on the court. Really, like he just didn't bring much on either end of the court. I thought, but but I you wonder you wonder if if that is the right approach. You wonder how much the Celtics need of that after Brad. And obviously, like like you said, Brad was very different. And so this is kind of a culture shock. And I think to some extent, Ime wants that. Ime wants to come in and make guys uncomfortable. But we'll see. We'll, we'll I'm see. Really, I'm, really, I'm really intrigued by it because Brad was so predictable and now Ime comes out and he's not as predictable. And the and thing is, it could really – mixing it up. He could really backfire because this is the first time Emes had to, you know, speak with the media after every single game. And so maybe, you know what, this is only his fifth game. Maybe uh, in the future he won't say, like, kind of uh, as kind of disparaging phrases as mind-boggling. But it's it's kind of like him learning on the fly as well. And so it's interesting to see kind of how he develops as a coach. I do think he has a good point that, that they do need Jalen Brown to be – like step up and be kind of an offensive presence when Jason Tatum's not on the court. 
because other than that kind of like stretch there in the fourth quarter where Jalen knocked down a shot and then a three and that got to the line, it's kind of a quick stretch. The offense when Jason Tatum's on the bench is pretty much uh, all Dennis Schroeder. And sometimes that is good because Dennis Schroeder can do some good things. I think he's like finding the ball um, pretty good at finding Rob Williams and dump offs. And Schroeder uh, has been decent with assists. He had six assists in the game last night. But then there's sometimes Dennis Schroeder has a possession where it's 18 seconds of him dribbling and then he settles for a mid-range jump shot. And so the Celtics definitely need some sort of creation uh, when Jason Tatum's on the bench. And right now it's not really coming from Jalen Brown, at least consistently. It's not coming from Marcus Smart. And so it basically is defaults to Dennis. And that's a wild card. Dennis is a is a full wild card, and I just don't know what to think of him yet. Because sometimes he does really cool shit, and then other times it's just like, oh, Dennis, come on. Yeah, I I think when when I look at Jalen Brown's stats, he had six assists in the game against the Knicks, and I thought that was like his his even though he had forty six points that night, the six assists stood out. You know, it was he was creating plays kind of running a point guard role at times and and running the offense and making things happen. He's had four assists in his three games since compared to 11 turnovers. That's not and great. So the Celtics need more from him there. They just do. They, they need him to be more of a facilitator. And, and it's not just that he had 13 points and was one for 11 at one point, finished five for 16. It's just like the whole thing. You know, like they need they just need more from him on every front and to to your point about Schroeder I think he's played really well the last couple games I think the Celtics need his daringness I guess like (laughs) his pace does change things for them it seems like it it really opens things up and then he brought up the point he wants to play more two-man game without Horford I think that's very valid I don't think the Celtics have run enough throughout Horford when he's on the court I don't. I don't think that they've they've utilized his pick and pop. I, I don't think they've they've really utilized his playmaking enough. Um, Is he still I on a minutes like, restriction? Because why did he like? I just still don't no, understand he, why he, he played. He said 26. he was not on a minutes. He said he was not on a minutes restriction last night. Um, it's he seemed. I think he seemed a little peeved, honestly, that he didn't play as much in the fourth quarter. I think his comment was like, "Yeah, I, I think." He may just decided to go with different lineups or something. Didn't seem he didn't say anything direct about it, but also didn't seem super happy. Um, but he's only averaging two point three assists per game. Like that's not Al Horford. Al Horford can be your passing hub. He can be the the guy you run everything through. He can make everything easier for Tatum, for Brown, for Dennis Schroeder. I feel like they haven't used him in that way. And they haven't leveraged that enough. And and if you're going to ask me one of my critiques of Ime Odoka, that that's one of them. I right got there. I got some uh, some critiques of Ime as well, but we got uh, Jonathan R right now. So let's welcome him into the room. Uh, yeah, I just want to say first up, uh, congrats to the kid uh, for his uh, newfound um, status. Thank you. Thank, thank, you, thank you. you. Yeah, I'm fired, fired up. up. Yeah, you should be. And I, I got two questions real quick. Do you think your new status will um, make you softer on your analysis? <laughs> and I also am curious if you think um, 
how, what, what do you think, like, Brad Stevens' influence on the situation as it's developing with Ime and, and the way the team is sort of shaping up so far early in the season, um, you know, how different from Danny do you think he will be in dealing with that, if at all? That's a good question. Uh, to your first question, I've always been soft. I'm I'm a soft <laughs> human. <laughs> so it's to, to those who don't know, I got engaged earlier this week. Uh, to to who has to be the most patient woman uh, of all time. Yeah, I, I don't know what what she sees in me. <laughs> I I have no idea why she loves me, uh, <laughs> but she does. So I took her out to Newport, did it on the Cliff Walk. Ooh, classy. And, uh, it was real romantic like real romantic like from the kid i'll tell you that much but to the to the second question and i'm thrilled i like so so excited um but to the second question yeah i i think so part of the reason brad hired emay is because he does have traits that are unbrad like and i think brad likes that emay's even keeled most of the time he likes that emay is a hard worker has worked his way from you know borderline nba player to rotation player had a long career then carved out a, a, a coaching niche his resume is impressive his his path his journey is impressive but i also think he likes that he's a straight shooter and he likes the the fact that he's not going to be brad like um all the time but there's a balance there and and I'm sure Brad cringes at some of the stuff, and I'm sure that that some of the stuff, especially I think calling out players individually, which which Ime has done a few times, like that's something Brad always steered away from. He he always handled those conversations publicly or privately rather than publicly, and and that was just his policy on it. He didn't want to irritate guys by calling them out in the press. He was hard on. He could be hard on guys behind closed doors there were a lot of stories about brad lighting guys up behind closed doors that people didn't really know about that side of him because publicly he, he always handled things differently um so Emay's approach is very different i i think brad will probably stay away from talking to him about it at least early on like just kind of let Emay do his own thing establish his own culture his own identity but but i I do think Brad probably watches some of that stuff and is like, uh-oh, <laughs> what, what's going to happen? He just said it's mind-boggling that Jalen Brown can play that well and then that poorly. Like, yeah, that's not the way Brad would have handled it. So we'll see. I, I, it's, I don't want to say it's an experiment because it's not. It's just a new coaching style. And we'll see how the Celtics react. Maybe they need it. Maybe this is what they need, especially early on. You know, It's not like the start's been a disaster. They're two and three. The 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 loss to the Raptors was ugly, but like losing to the Wizards isn't some huge huge sin. They beat Charlotte on the road, like that's a good win. So it, it hasn't been like a disastrous start, but there's been enough enough bumpy bumpy times for Emay to to let loose. So we'll see. I'm uh I'm very curious to see how how this goes. Another thing that's interesting, or just the difference is like. Ime only played nine guys last night. I feel like he very quickly shortened up that rotation. And one of those guys was Jabari Parker. And so 
Uh, I'm just kind of surprised at this point that I don't know what Aaron Neesmith has done in between having the best summer of his life in an amazing preseason to be getting uh, multiple DNPs in a row. But what do you think of him kind of shortening the bench, shortening the rotation? One, continuing to go to Josh Richardson, who doesn't really seem to be doing um, that much, but then not giving guys... You're a Josh Richardson hater. Uh, uh, yes, I would say that is accurate. Knowing Josh Richardson hater. Well, when you when you play 15 minutes and take zero shots, uh, I don't know what... like It's not like he's... What is he doing for you out there that it's like not worth giving Neesmith time to develop or like work his way through his, his shooting slump to start the season? Yeah, so... I- I think what Ime is trying to do, obviously, what he's trying to do is play bigger, and and by bigger I mean like have a have a legit power forward on the court, so that Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown can slide down positions and play the two and the three. A lot. But he's not trying to do that because he was closing with the core four and shooter a bunch during the fourth quarter. It, and yeah, the, the the closing line. I think that's always been like like the the idea to close like that. Um, and Horford was in the closing lineup. I think that's that's going to be a decision that could be tough on some nights between Horford and Robert Williams for the closing spot. But I, my my uh, I guess my my concerns over how Udoka has handled it. I don't think he's playing his best nine players. Like there, there's no way you can look at that roster. And think Jabari Parker is one of the Celtics' nine best players. Now, does he fit a positional need? Yeah, sure. He's a bigger guy. He can score a little bit. He definitely, you know, fills fills holes for the Celtics in that sense. But, like, could the Celtics start Schroeder, start a little smaller, then bring Pritchard off the bench instead, play a little smaller, um, and then give minutes to they're better players like yeah i think they could do that and and maybe that i don't think that's udoka's idea for this line for this rotation though and i i think the the way he intends to play with with schroeder off the bench and with tatum at two and three as as much as they can or kind of the majority of their minutes at those spots then you're gonna squeeze pritchard out um if richardson's gonna keep playing a lot of minutes and it seems like he is at least early on then it's going to be tough for Neesmith and Romeo Langford to to get a lot of time on the court and like Jabari and Grant like are those are those two of your nine best players are they better than Pritchard in a vacuum I don't think so but I get it like they do fill positional needs but to me like Pritchard was really good as a rookie he was promising throughout preseason like he hasn't done much to give up those minutes besides he just doesn't fit next to some of the other bench players. So that's – and I, I honestly, like looking forward, looking ahead, projecting this roster, you could kind of see that coming as a, as a potential problem. And Pritchard's defensive numbers are awful. His numbers with Schroeder are awful. His numbers with Richardson are awful. And obviously it's super early on and the sample size is tiny and all that. But like w- – they wanted to see that that work and it hasn't worked in the four games that Pritchard has played. So I get why Udoka went away from him. Would I do it? Probably not. Uh, but I get it. So I don't know. It's a tough decision. It's going to be a tough decision. I think 
the whole year because you do want to get Pritchard some minutes. You do want to develop him. Neesmith, he's another guy. Langford, when he comes back. And and the Celtics have a more of a veteran roster. And there's, there's going to be tough decisions for guys like that, I think. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day, or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Let's go to Richard D. on the Athletic app. Hey, guys. How you doing? How are you? Good, sir. Doing good. Doing good. Now, I'm going to say up front, I'm a little biased. Because uh, Aaron Neesmith and Chris Middleton both were my AAU kids since since they were young. And I get to see them all summer go at it since back when Chris was, you know, you know, four or five years ago when Aaron was, was uh, before he even got to Vanderbilt. And, you know, what blows my mind is when Aaron was younger, his dad's a bodybuilder, right? And his mom's real tall. So super athletic kid, always our best athlete who couldn't shoot. He'd always slash <laughs> and always get to the rim. And so we pushed him really hard to get in the gym and shoot. And the kid worked so hard that he gets labeled a shooter. And I laughed so hard at that. If anyone has watched that kid play, when they rang, when they rang him coming out, I laughed so hard at uh, all the intangibles. Athleticism was the seven, the lowest thing that they had on there. And I was like, <laughs> you, you give that kid two or three years and see what you got and you're going to realize. But um, anyway, here's my point. I've seen him beat Chris. I shouldn't tell you this. Three or four weeks ago here going out every single day to keep track, very competitive. He beats Chris. Chris might be at the top of his game, beats some shooting. He beats Tatum's record. Now, I'm not a big fan of standstill records, right, standing shooting the ball. But one thing I do know, that dude is as competitive as anyone we've ever had. And and uh, I just don't get, like, I don't get it. I know Danny took him and when Brad's guy, and he's, he's obviously the, the new coach is not his guy. Um. And I don't. Th- I'm not saying he should be like eating up minutes right now, but I think at the end of the day, he's going to make some other team make this coach look silly w- when he's when he's playing these dudes. Like no offense to Joe Parker, not like you said, not your best nine player. Aaron is definitely a dude that he should be coming off the bench. Not saying he should be starting, rotational dude. Um, and 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 Aaron gets more and more confidence. He's been this way since he was. Eight, 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 you like you give him a rhythm, you get him confidence. He's a really smart kid, and uh, you know, and, and he gets a he's a he's a rhythm dude. When someone lets him know, right, that you're you're a dude, watch what he does in summer league. They told him, You're our dude, look what he did, and 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 so now it's like go in there, jack it up. I don't know, I just think I think they're making a huge mistake, and I think they've very undervalued. Now it's early in the season, and if they don't play them for twenty games, that's fine. But um, I just think I can't figure out what the guy's doing. I think he's got some players he probably needs to get rid of that are getting minutes. But I think 
I think he's probably doing that just to see if these people are worth playing. And uh, if he doesn't see what he's got with Aaron, he, he, he probably needs to he, he probably needs to look a little deeper because I think if you're reading the scouting report, you're missing it. Yeah, first of all, that was that was awesome. Uh, That's the only so, thing that can happen on the athletic app is you get uh, Neesmith's AAU coach checking in. But I I wholeheartedly agree. Thanks, Richard, for joining. But I think we saw last year with Neesmith is like he started playing a lot better when he got more and more consistent minutes towards uh, the end of the year. And so I would have to agree. This feels like your team's probably at its best when Neesmith is playing and giving you the his athleticism, his kind of crazy uh, energy, and and his shooting off the bench. It feels like you would rather kind of establish that now than kind of just giving Jabari Parker minutes because he's uh, uh, your typical power forward. Yeah, my I think the Celtics need to play differently on their bench. I think that it's cool, like, start big, whatever. Do do what you want to do with Al Horford and Robert Williams. I think the early returns there have been pretty promising, especially defensively. But be versatile. Be be young. Be be fast with the bench. Like, playing Grant Williams and Jabari Parker together, I'm just not sure about it. Um, I think... I think Grant, Grant's played pretty well, but like, I just don't see you're you're looking to create you know more of a defensive identity. You're looking to to be versatile and f- play fast, and then you're like, oh Jabari, Jabari, go out there. <laughs> like, <laughs> is is that going to fix your defense? No. Is is he going to be a guy that that gives you a lot on that end? No. And and like you said, like Neesmith. Richard, those guys are on the bench, and they were both very promising, especially at the end of last year. I thought Neesmith was great, and for him to be out of the rotation this early, I just don't think long-term it's good, and I'm not sure it's good short-term either. So I think Ime has a lot to figure out about the lineups, the rotation. I don't think anything is set in stone. I think he's still kind of looking at things, and, and in his defense – he hasn't really had a chance to have the full rotation for much time at all. Like every regular, pretty much missed time during preseason. Um, the Celtics have been without Jalen Brown for a game in the regular season. They've been without Al Horford in the regular season. They they've they've had guys in and out of the lineup. So he hasn't really gotten a chance to to look at everything together when they're healthy. Uh, and I do think he has some things to figure out, and I do think Pritchard and Neesmith should probably figure into the rotation somehow, even if it's just like 12 minutes a game. I think those guys are important now, and I think they're they're more important long term. Like, those are two good players, two good prospects, and and I I think and they're tough too. They're tough. They work hard. They're energetic. If you want those things, you want those guys on the court. So. There's there's just a lot that Ime hasn't learned about this team yet. And they're two and three. Two and three. The good thing is they will play literally the exact same team on Saturday. So we'll, we'll be able to see, you know, what adjustments Ime makes after, like, watching the film. Um, but it's not the 
it's not the exact start that I think Celtics fans wanted, but I, I do also think it's just like it hasn't been that bad. I mean, they won two in a row. They um, have been in every game except for the, the Raptors game. And I think they clearly just had a bad, an off night shooting-wise uh, yesterday. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see kind of what adjustments he makes and how the team reacts to being kind of publicly called out. And so um, – Maybe this is the wild, the, the E-May ride. Maybe this is a par for the course. He's just all about calling out his players when they mess up. It's drastically different than Brad Stevens, and so it's going to be very interesting to see, uh, one, how the players react, and two, if it's something that uh, E-May will continue to do uh, as we get further on in the season. Yeah, <laughs> it's going to be an interesting ride. It, it's no like Brad was the most predictable coach probably in the entire league, and after – However many years of covering him, I knew when he was going to bash the Celtics. I knew when he was going to take it easy on them. And you just kind of knew. And now I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) There's there's something refreshing about that. And there's something exciting about that, at least for me. Uh, Before we move on, does anyone have any questions for us? Um, Any takes? any, Any reactions? Raise your hand if you can. We we are using a new tool at the Athletic, where where you can raise your hand, you can chat with us, and it's awesome. Um, for those listening on Spotify, iTunes, a day from now, whatever, not live. Um, subscribe to the Athletic. You can listen to us live. You can hop in the conversation. You can chat with us, and I I think this is the coolest tool that we've had. Um, we'll bring in June. June, how are you, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? You're a regular. You're a, re- you're regular. a regular. Call yeah, our first regular. Yeah, yeah, dude. I'm an addict. I'm a basketball <laughs> addict. So I like to talk hoops. Um, I actually have. So I was. So I actually have one comment. Um, I think Jay touched on it earlier about Schroeder and Horford, um, and I guess that's kind of a two man combo. But I was. Um, I was keeping my eye out on three man combos. Um, in the lineup so i guess on the guard side like smart and schroeder and then on the wing side jalen and jason and then on the big side robert and al and i was keeping an eye out on how those three positions were matched in lineups um and i originally thought it was gonna i think if i had to guess the three line three man lineups that would be used a lot would be schroeder horford and tatum would be one set and the other set would be marcus jalen and Rob, um, but I noticed that Rob plays a ton with Schroeder, um, and I think a lot more than um, Horford, which I think um, is pretty surprising. And same thing goes with Tatum because I thought the Tatum slash Schroeder pick and pops with our Horford would be pretty dangerous. Um, and I just wanted to know what you guys observed on that front, and just in just in just those different types of three man lineups. Yeah, so I, I think that's another thing that, that E-May is just going to kind of have to figure out. I do think, um, to your point, like Schroeder and Williams have played 115 minutes together. Sorry, sorry it took a little while. I, I was pulling up the, the actual two-man lineup data. Um, they have played 115 minutes together. The Celtics are getting outscored by 0.5 points per 100 possessions during that time. When Schroeder has played with, with Al Horford, the 
Celtics are actually have a 17.9 net rating, but but like you said, it, it's only been 40 minutes. That's something that I would change. I think those guys play really well together. I think Schroeder has the creativity to utilize Al Horford. And I go back to a couple years ago, three years ago, I guess, when, when Kyrie was hurt and Terry Rozier was the starting point guard for the Celtics in the playoffs. Terry Rozier was not ready to be a starting point guard at least at the playoff level. But Al Al made that okay because you don't have to have like advanced reads. You just have to know that Al is going to be open. Al is going to be in the right spot. And if you make a simple read and find Al, then he can facilitate the rest. Um, and I think Schroeder, Schroeder's going to be good in that role. Schroeder and Al have played together a lot. They've played in three games about 13 minutes per game together I think that has to to go up um and I I think the Celtics on their bench should run things through Al Horford like take him out early bring him back in with the bench use him as the hub of of that second unit I I think Al Horford you can still run offense through him you can still you can still build a system around Al Horford and and they haven't done that enough. Um, I think they have to do a lot more of that. And with with Horford and Schroeder, like I think the bench could be really dangerous. And part of that is Horford missed a game. Horford was on a minutes restriction when he came back. Horford, whatever. But but long term, I think that that's a combo that's going to work. That's a combo that's going to be great. And especially with the bench, like that is a dangerous dangerous duo. And if you have shooting around them. Peyton Pritchard and Aaron Neesmith, then, then th- I think they'll they'll do a lot of good things. Yeah, it, it feels like they just haven't figured out the rotation yet, and like right now, there it feels like when Tatum's on the bench, a lot of it is relying on Marcus Smart and Jalen Brown to kind of create the offense, and they're not doing a great job. And Dennis just is like, I'm Dennis Schroeder, I'm going to take over the game. And I agree, it just feels like pairing him with Horford uh, makes a sense. And putting Horford on the second unit um, would seem to kind of bolster their offense. And so I wouldn't be surprised to see if there's changes going on. But it, it feels like Ime's simultaneously, like stubbornly, wants to have that kind of too big system in there. And that's why you see so many Grant and so many Jabari minutes. But then also is like very willing to kind of go with the core four and Schroeder uh, to kind of have that be that smaller lineup. And I don't know. I, th- I think there's there's still some work to be done in trying to figure out what kind of what the the best way to mix and match. Uh, let's go to Nerlin K. Uh, with your thoughts on last night's game. Hi guys, um, I just thought I'd let you know I'm uh, calling from Ireland, so uh, I don't know if you have any other Irish people on this. Um, oh, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Thanks. Um, but uh, my question, I kind of have two there, so um, uh, I thought the team was focusing on um, stopping Beal a bit too much, kind of down the stretch, um, which Harlan didn't really exploit. It, so, um, and that, um, like, I think I think I'm right, but correct me if I'm wrong. That the uh, the team only had 18 assists, um, and I was wondering, like, would would you think that's an effect of uh, Smart playing the point uh, a bit more there, rather than uh, more because he's more of a two guard? First of all, I, I, I love your accent. I, <laughs> I wish I had an Irish accent, man. I, I would be at least 75% cooler if I had an Irish accent. But, yeah, I don't think it's necessarily smart playing the point guard. 
is the reason for the lower assist totals? No, uh, lower assist yesterday was because Jason Tatum only had two and Jalen Brown only had one. Like, we praised Jason Tatum so much for the Hornets game because he had eight assists. And it's like, if those two guys are going to be like your main ball handlers, they're going to have to have closer to five assists a game than two and one. Like, I, I just don't think that's necessarily on Marcus Smart. Yeah, and I think, especially in the second half, they had 14 assists at halftime, just four in the second half. It felt like there were way too many zero pass possessions, one pass possessions. Just guys, and he may say it after the game, just trying to do it all themselves. And I think that's pretty natural when, when you're trying to come back, when you're trying to erase a deficit. That's that's just kind of how, how guys revert to. They need to build better habits. They they need to share the ball more. Um, like Jalen Brown, especially, I thought, just kind of put his head down sometimes and went to the rim and and just did some some misguided stuff. They can't have that. Like in the past, you had Kyrie, you had Kemba Walker, you had Isaiah Thomas. You you could get away with nights when those guys weren't sharing the ball and making other guys better. They don't have that to fall back on anymore. And and to the point of the question, like. That's where I think having Marcus Smart at point guard matters is that there's no prime facilitator to fall back on when Tatum and Brown aren't making everybody else better. And so that's on them now. And and so they need to evolve. They need to lift their teammates up. And, and that's going to be their challenge this year is to even on the nights when they're not scoring, even on the nights when – when they're not shooting well, they need to get everybody involved and they need to stay committed to that no matter what's going on in the game. And I, I thought that went away in the second half against Washington to a very big extent and a troubling extent. And and they need to iron out that. because And it, it has to be those two guys leading it. I don't think they're they're necessarily like all the way ready for that and it's going to be a process as they continue to get ready for that, but they have to be, or else the Celtics won't be very good. And so that that's that's the pressure on them. That's the burden on them. Those two guys need to be great, and they weren't great enough against Washington. Uh, one issue might be in Robert Williams just likes passing more than he likes jumping. What was up with that last night? The guy passed up, I think, like two or three dunking opportunities just to, to sling the ball around. The guy... It's it's a it is a continuation of his uh, stuff. What happened used to happen on defensive rebounds where he'd immediately pass it, but it feels like Dime Lord just loves slinging dimes. The guy loves passing. What's going on there? Yeah, and I also think like I, I haven't. Brad used to do a great job of getting the bigs in position to make passes. Right. I, I don't think we've seen that so far out of Eme. Like. How much facilitating has Robert Williams done? How much facilitating has has Al Horford done? Like, to me, you've got to utilize that skill. You've you've got two good passing big men. Use it. Use it. I I, I don't think they've leveraged that enough uh, over the first five games. I think they need to do more to leverage that. Uh, I think, especially in Horford's case, he's one of the best playmaking bigs in the entire NBA. And he can shoot. And he can run a pick and pop, and he can run a pick and roll, and you can use him in a lot of different ways to to bring more ball movement to your offense. So use him, use him. 
I think I think they've got to do that. They're they're trying to get Tatum and Brown in their spots, and I get it. But sometimes it's like just run, pick, and pop with Horford. It'll be easy. They won't have to be on the block with double teams coming their way. You know, so use it. That's fair. Use your good players, uh, may, and maybe don't um, make fun of them in the press. That's uh, some good advice from <laughs> uh, Jay King. I gotta go. I gotta. Uh, edit a paper before I uh, uh, send it in. I just want to say some uh, some, school Packard. some final reactions. Kyle Kuzma, terrible haircut. Um, hate that. Don't need to see Donnie Wahlberg on my screen ever again. Uh, hate that. And why do you like Donnie? Why do you like Donnie? I never said I like Donnie. <laughs> That's just- no, but I do like Donnie. My mom went to Wahlberg. <laughs> my mom went to Wahlberger one time. And Donnie sat with her and her friends all night long and just chatted with them. That's creepy. Why is Donnie Wahlberg sitting with a group of uh, women just because, in, interrupting because he their enjoyed dinner. their company and it, it's his restaurant. He was just just hanging out with them. They had a great time with Donnie Wahlberg. They think he's a great guy. I mean, I'm sure he is. I just think they're better. Like, I don't need to really see him uh, um, when I'm watching the Celtics game. That's all I'm saying. Donnie's cool in my book. Anyone who treats my mom well. <laughs> J. King, big new kids on the block, man. J. King. <laughs> J., uh, f- one final question. Um, is being engaged to be wed, uh, is that potable? It sure is, man. It sure is. Anything is potable! As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.